this psalm reminds us, especially the portion we read, of a tremendous truth that we cannot afford to forget. That God in his word clearly and repeatedly commands that all of our children should receive a Christian upbringing. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4, we're reminded as parents to do what? Ephesians chapter 6, if you would, Brother Don, uh, in verse number 4. The Bible says this. um, We'll go ahead and turn there because I want you to read it. Um, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. The Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but what? To bring them up in the nurture... An admonition of the Lord. The Bible is clear. God repeatedly and clearly commands that all children should receive a Christian upbringing. Over in Deuteronomy, he had the verse on the screen earlier. You can go ahead and put it up. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 6 and verse number 6, if you would. The Lord said this in these words, which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Every child should grow up learning that God is the source and the center of everything. And in context of What we're looking to do in just a little while, church, I remind us that this absolutely includes the context of their education. Now, parents are called by God to be the primary agent in training children. That responsibility is not given primarily to the state, but nor is that given primarily to the church. It is given to the parent. And mamas and daddies, we will answer to God for how we bring up our children. Now, considering tonight this this thing of education, when it comes to formal education, we understand that as parents, we differ in how we do this. You know, God leads us to do it different ways. There are many families in our church whom the Lord has led to give a Christian education at home. I'm going to tell you, that is an awesome thing if you can do it. I love it. I applaud it. I I, I want to support it. I want to champion it. I think that is an incredible, incredible thing. There are many in our congregation that the Lord has led uh, to give the education to their children, maybe not at home, but but a Christian education at a Christian school. And I also think that's a wonderful thing. And I'm going to tell you, there are even some whom the Lord has led to give their children a Christian education. And you know what they do? They do send their kids to public school, but they deprogram their kids when they get home. And by the way, if you send your kids to public school, you are going to have to deprogram them. There's a lot of garbage out there. 
You think about what they learned from their ungodly companions. You think about what they learned from the garbage of evolution that's being taught. The anti-God worldview that's pushed. The the gender theory garbage that's out there. the, The critical social justice garbage that's being pushed. But you know what? We have mamas and daddies who faithfully seek to give their children a Christian education in a variety of different ways. Now, we may differ on how we do it. But the truth is, we ought to work together in what we are doing. And that is seeking to make sure that every child we have influence with gets a Christian upbringing and is brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. As you look at Psalm 78, you, you, cannot, you, you cannot deny and you cannot ignore uh, the corporate element of this. In verse number four, we see this. We plural, will not hide them from their children. In other words, we're going to do it different ways as different families, but we're going to come together as a church, and we're going to rally around one another and pray for one another and uplift one another and help one another. Why? Because this thing of bringing up kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is too important to not do it right. Now, as a church, we are privileged to be able to come alongside families and help them provide a Christian education with our Christian school. And uh, certain elements of tonight's message is kind of a philosophical foundation for what we do and why we do it. Why do we seek to educate our kids this way, whether it's at home, through the Christian school, or through the state school? Why do we seek to do it this way? Why? Because God has told us to. And that's an important note. I don't, I don't have the authority to do what I do because someone in Columbus or D.C. told me I could. I have the authority to do what I do because God told me to do it. And mamas and daddies, don't you ever apologize for seeking to bring up your kids in the nurture and admonition of the world, no matter what the world's, uh, nurture and admonition of the Lord, no matter what the world says, because we answer to God. And so I want to look at Psalm 78, and I want to encourage you tonight, and I want to help you. And this thing of our responsibility to the next generation, what are these things that we ought to be teaching the next generation? Look with me. We're going to start by reading verses 1 through 5. It's it's a mascal of Asaph, or a teaching and instruction of Asaph. He says, give ear, O my people, to my law, and incline your ears to the words of my mouth. He said, I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. I apologize for my voice tonight. We're working through it. Amen. Our responsibility in the next generation, what should we be teaching our children? As I look at Psalm 78, the first thing I see is we need to be teaching our children a history of God's plan. You know, you look at Psalm 78, it's a pretty long chapter. It's a pretty long psalm. It's one of those that if we were singing it um, congregationally, 
you'd be hoping maybe we wouldn't be singing every verse because uh, there's like 78 of them. That would be a long time, amen? And so, but if you read over this psalm, and I encourage you to do so, you know what this psalm is? It is a history of God's works amongst his people. It is the psalmist declaring what God has done for his people. I'm going to tell you, church, our kids need to know what God has done. This psalm is 72 verses of what God had done for Israel. And I'm concerned, though, because we have a generation today who seem to know a lot about everything but God. They can program your iPhone. They are theologically, or they are technologically savvy, but fairly theologically simple. Our kids need to know what God has done. They need to know the truth and the story of this book. They need to know the truth about God, how he is the center of all life. And by the way, you cannot separate God from any aspect of life. Consider with me, thinking about the history of humanity. You know, the history of humanity is God's story. It is his story. You can't separate God from history. You see his finger everywhere, guiding and directing and moving. You can't separate God from history. You can't separate God from science. Why? Because it is the discovery of his creation. You can't separate God from math. Why? Because math is the language that God has ordered creation around. You can't separate God from language as it is the God-ordained vehicle for his truth. And I'm going to tell you, no matter what aspect of life you look at, you know what we find? We find that all aspects of life come from, belong to, and flow through God himself. Colossians 1 and verse number 17 reminds us uh, about the Lord Jesus that he is before all things and by him all things consist. And we do a disservice to our kids when we fail to show them how God fits into every aspect of life. He is the center. He is the source. Our kids need to know about God. They need to know what God has done. But they also need to know what God is doing. You see, God has done a lot, amen? And God has got a lot in store, amen? But God's not done. How many tonight with a hand raised would say, you know what? I have a testimony that God has worked in my life. How many of us tonight could give that testimony? God has worked in my life. Here's the thing. Our kids need to hear that. Our kids need to hear that, yes, God still answers prayer because he answered mine. Our kids need to hear that, yes, God still saves souls because he saved mine. Our kids need to hear that, yes, God's still moving mountains because he moved mine. Our kids need to know that God provides and God strengthens and God brings us through and that he doesn't leave us or forsake us. Our kids need to hear about how God speaks to us through his word. Our kids need to know that God's not done. And that with God, now hear me, because this is going to require a shift in thinking for some of us. 
that not only is God not done, but with God, our best days are still ahead. If I believed that the good old days were as good as it would ever be, well, let's just pack it up and let's just tell stories. But I believe God's got something still to do. And I believe with God, the best days are yet to come. But I'm going to tell you, our children need to hear that. They need to know what God has done. They need to know of God's word. They need to know of God's work in our lives, in my life. And as they come to know a history of God's plan, you know what we want them to see? We want them to see that they have a part. That they have a part in the plan of God. That, that this thing about God's plan and God's work is, is not just stories in a book of people who lived thousands of years ago. No, but this thing of God's plan is something that's, hap- something that's happening all around us. And that I have a part. And that they have a part. And they can become, come to see their place in God's plan. Parents, church, we have a God-given responsibility to teach them the history of God's plan. I remind you as well, children, you have a responsibility to listen. What is our responsibility to the next generation? Well, our kids need to know what God's done. We need to teach them the history of God's plan. But that's not it. Look at verses 6 and 7. The writer says that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God. And forget not the works of God, but keep his commandments. What do we owe the next generation? What should we be teaching? Well, we need to teach them a history of God's plan. They need to know what God has done. They need to know what God is doing. They need to know a history of God's plan. But secondly, we also need to teach them to hope in God's person. Did you notice verse number seven? That they might set their hope In God. You see, the thing is, I don't want my kids just to know about God. I want my kids to know God. I I, I don't want the kids of this church to just know about God and have all this head knowledge. There are a whole lot of people that can win Bible trivia games who are as lost as lost can be. They know what to say. They know how to brush their hair. They they know how to look the part. But their heart is wicked and far from God. And that's not what I want. You see, I just don't want my kids, I just don't want our kids to, to grow up knowing about God. I want them to come to know God personally. And I want the training that my kids receive to lead them to put their hope and confidence in Christ. Let me ask you, to what end are we educating and training our children? 
Why do we as parents and we as families and we as a church, why do we invest all of the time, the trouble, the treasure, and tears into our children that we do? I think it's a valid question to ask. You know, we talked about this morning about running to win, and I think it's important for us to remember that we, we really ought to be pretty specific and clear on our goals. What are we after? Are we just preparing them uh, to, to get them out of the house one day? Do we want them to be prosperous, powerful, popular? Are we training them for here? Are we training them for heaven? What are we after? You know, I think our heart as a church, I think our heart as parents is that we want to train our children to know God and to realize all of the potential that God has placed within them in order that they might do all that God has created them for. But I'm going to tell you, when we define the what's and the why's of our training and our parenting and our education and our ministry, things tend to get a lot more clearer. You know, I ask us, what good is a childhood full of sports if sports end up taking the place of the Savior? What good is a childhood full of travel and experiences if they get to see God's world but they miss his church? The reality is, as parents and as, as teachers and ministers and as a church, all of our training, including our education and our schooling, should seek to lead our children to salvation in Christ, to surrender to Christ, and to service for Christ. But I'm going to tell you, that only comes if they learn to personally put their hope and the person and promises of God. What do we owe the next generation? What's our responsibility? What are we going to teach them? We ought to teach them a history of God's plan. Hey, church, God's not done. Amen. Amen. God's done great things. And God's not done. He's got great things in store. We're going to teach them a history of God's plan. We're going to teach them to, to put their hope in the person of God. But did you notice in verses 6 and 7, look at them one more time. That the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. You see, the psalmist here doesn't just have his generation in mind. And he doesn't just have his children's generation in mind. But he has generation upon generation upon generation in mind. And we ought to too. To give them a history of of God's plan. to, to, To give them a, secondly, a hope in God's person. But finally to provide them a heritage to God's praise. I want to leave my children with a godly heritage that they then take, that pass to their children. That they then take and pass to their children. That they then take and pass to their children. I'm going to tell you the ultimate goal has got to be the transmission of the faith from one generation to the next. You see, I not only want my kids to know about God, I want my kids to know God. 
And I not only want my kids to know God, but I want my kids to take that knowledge and to help their kids to know God one day. But sadly, it is possible for one generation to know God, but for the next one to not. And church, I know we're all on board that our hearts are for our young people. You know what? It, it's amazing that a church our size ministers to family and children as much as we do. And that only happens because the church body is on board with the reality that, that we've got to reach our children. We want to do our part to make sure that our children know and that their children can know as well. I want it to be real for me. And I want it to be real for them. And I want it to be real for the generation that comes after them and comes after them and after them. And you know what? Parents, that's not an easy thing to do. Parenting is one of those things that always leaves me feeling rather inadequate. Parenting is one of those things that often leads me feeling unqualified. Parenting is not for the faint of heart. You know, there are some in here who have a remarkable amount of influence over their grandkids and great-grandkids. And maybe, maybe you are uh, fulfilling the role that, that, that maybe you didn't wish you were filling and that it, it ought to be the parent's job. But, but God has opened that door of opportunity for you. I, I'm going to tell you, investing in kids, whether it's your kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or, or you're a Sunday school teacher or, or maybe you're just loving on the kids of the church, it's not easy. Because the world is wicked and as sweet as those kids are, sometimes they're boogers, man. But they come by it honestly. Just look at their parents. Parents, it's not easy. But we must not live in such a way, as the psalmist says, that would hide God from our kids. Church, it's not easy. But we must not serve in such a way that it would help to hide God from the kids of this church and this community. Because I want to be a part of, of an ongoing heritage to the praise of God. I want to be a part of building something that's ongoing, that's growing, that's thriving to the glory of our God. When I'm dead and gone, I want this church and I want churches that I've been a part of, I want them to be bigger and more robust and more on fire than it ever was when I was here. But church, we do have a responsibility to the generation to come to pass that baton for the praise of God. Here at Harvest, we need to be clear. I'm not as much interested in building models of good citizens. 
some may wage that to be a success. But I'm going to tell you, better than good citizen is building godly Christians. I'm not interested in raising kids who can sing every word to the Disney Frozen theme song, but whose hearts are also frozen and cold to the things of God. And the reality is, if we are going to pass on real, authentic, spirit-filled Christianity, it will be because we intentionally lived and purposely and properly passed it on to the next generation. Church, that's why we preach and teach to the whole family. I'll tell you, it's my heart as pastor that one day we have the space. I know, I'm dreaming, all right? I'm out in dream world. But it's my dream that one day as pastor, we have the space that on Sunday night, we have nothing but church. Which would mean we would need space on Wednesday night for everything else we do. (laughs) Don't have it right now. But I think there's something about Family sitting together and singing together and praying together, coming to the altar, kneeling in the pew together. I think there's just something about families doing church together. This church is pro-family. It's my dream as pastor that one day we have that capacity. And I'm going to move. Don't tell Brother Dan I'm upsetting the wagon. But uh, I'm going to move everything to Wednesday night if I had the space so we could be in here as families. Just worship God together. That's why we have a church that preaches and teaches to the whole family. It's, it's why we seek to minister to kids through Sunday school and junior church and youth group and Awana and RU Kids and HTCA. Why? Because we do have a responsibility to the next generation. They need to know what God has done. They need to come to know God personally for themselves. And they need to be prepared to pass that heritage on to the generations that come after them. Why? For the glory of God. Tonight, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to encourage you. Maybe tonight, it'd be an opportunity to pray for and pray with your family. Maybe you just circle up in the pew and you pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. You don't think the world's after your children and grandchildren? Log on to YouTube. You don't know what that is? I'll show it to you and you'll wish I hadn't. Get on TikTok. You don't think the world's after your children? Oh, the world's after them. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for the children of our church. You know, there are some children that we're privileged to minister to that probably nobody prays for. But you could. And maybe, just maybe, if we looked on a Sunday morning sometime, the Lord would lay one of those little ones on our heart. And we would say, Lord, I'll pray for that one. Pray for our children's ministries. Because we have a responsibility. 
to the next generation.